0: Good morning, family vacation. Nah, let's try that again. Good morning, family vacation. There we go, there we go. Are y'all having a great time so far? Very good, very, very good. Uh, I know I am, and uh, this holds a special place in my heart, uh, this event, during this weekend every year, just because I remember years back, my first family vacation, uh, coming as a part of a campus ministry. Um, Quiet, (laughs) reserved college student, not really knowing what to expect and uh, just giving it a shot, seeing where God would take it. And uh, I'm just blown away to be able to see and amazed how not only God has taken me to places and done things in and through me that I never would have imagined, but being able to have the privilege of watching him use me and use others around me to do the same with so many other lives. So um, it's a beautiful thing to be able to stand here, to be able to stand here. Thank you. And uh, uh, to look out throughout this room and to be able to see so many faces, uh, so many familiar ones. But the really cool thing also is ones that maybe I don't know that well, because that means that God's kingdom is growing and that his people are at work. Um, Let's go ahead and pray real quick, and then we'll dive in, okay? Father, thank you uh, for this retreat. Thank you for this morning. For everybody here and uh, just for great opportunities like this, uh, Father, to understand better and to live out your will for us in this world. And uh, Father, man, what a, a, a great theme to be able to go through, to be able to help emphasize that um, and to take us forward uh, by looking at the words of your son. Um, and John, 2. listen carefully, uh, Father, as your message rings clearly out. And uh, may it just start within each of us. Uh, Father, and resonate outward, uh, just to make a change that's just transformative in a way that is pleasing to you and brings honor and glory to your name. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, as you guys know, last night, Kerry kicked us off with a good start, um, talking about fruit bearing. And uh, he read for you our theme verse, John 15, verses 1 through 8. I want to start off this morning by having us read the same thing, but I'm going to read it uh, in the, KJ, uh, the NKJV. Missed the letter there. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> John 15, 1 through 8. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit he prunes so that it may be more fruitful or bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. It doesn't take long for any of us to look through John 15, as Jesus is telling these words, to notice something in particular, and that's that he uses this phrase, abide in me, over and over and over and over again, right? And so, why should that be something that we should take notice to? And what does it have to do with the necessary connection that he wants us to make to what we talked about last night, and much of what we'll be talking about throughout the rest of this weekend? See, everybody wants to bear fruit, right? If I ask that question, who in here wants to bear fruit? I'm sure every hand would go up, right? Yeah. Every one of our hands will go up. And yet what Jesus is helping us understand here is it's not just enough to want to bear fruit. He tells us the secret to how that's done. And it's in that, it's wrapped up in that phrase and that wording there, abiding. Now abiding uh, or abide is not a word that I typically use in my everyday language, I don't know about you guys, right? Um, but it certainly is one that should be important to us when we're looking at the words of Christ and we're trying to evaluate what our lives are gonna look like as we seek to follow him as disciples, right? So, really quickly, um, I took some time to look up some definitions for abide, and what you'll often find among those definitions are things where it says like, to remain, to dwell, to stay, to reside in, you know, and I don't know if that's bringing up a picture for any of you guys, but it makes me think of home, especially that last one, right, where you reside, your residence we normally call home. And so literally, Jesus is saying, I want to be where home is for you. I need to be where home is for you. Because literally, the secret to fruit-bearing is abiding. So this morning, as you hear me saying that, looking at Jesus' words, right, Abide, abide in me, abide in me. It's the key to fruit bearing. Hopefully, that raises the question for you guys, like it does for myself. Okay, Jesus, we hear you. Abide. How? How do I abide in Christ? So, we're going to spend some time this uh, first part this morning looking at that. And it's not exhaustive, but I'm going to give you guys a few key things that, as I look throughout this passage in John 15 as well, as throughout the rest of Scripture, and it consistently is things that that are put out as being paramount, these are things that hopefully if you're going to be able to abide, you're implementing these into your practices. So let's start uh, with the first one. How do I abide in the true vine? Well, first, to abide in him, I must know and follow Christ's words. If you look at some other words of Jesus uh, found in John 10, just a couple chapters before, all right, he says this as well. And this is a message paraphrase. It says, let me set this before you as plain as I can. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him, and the sheep do what? What do y'all see it say? They recognize his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he, when he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow. Why? Because they are familiar with his voice. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. So for any of you guys, um, that have been in church for a long time, whether you're an adult or you're a kid that's kind of grown up through children's classes and things like that, you might be familiar with an old Bible school game um, known as the shepherd's voice. Does that ring a bell for anybody? Maybe, maybe not by the name, but as I explain it, it may resonate with some of you. Okay. Real simple game, but I think it's profound and it ties into a lot of what is being communicated in this first part here, right? The importance of knowing the master's voice, and being able to listen to it and follow him and abide, okay? So it goes a little like this. You get a group of of kids, adults, whoever, into a room, and you take that group and you divide them into pairs, all right? Take one person from each of those pairs, you blindfold them, and then you put them all in the middle of the room. Those people will be the sheep. You take the remaining person from each pair, And each of those are going to be your shepherds. So you start off by twirling all the sheep around a couple times, get them nice and dizzy and disoriented a little bit, right? Makes it fun. And then on the sound of go, the shepherds all begin to call out to their respective sheep. That was a part of their pair, right? To try to get them to find them and reunite with them in the room. The first team to accomplish that wins. All right. So why did I take us through this cute little kids game? Well, because I think it's not just something important to be able to teach little kids, but really it's something fundamentally that Jesus is telling us, no matter how old you are, if you're going to be an effective disciple that stays connected to him and is able to bear fruit that's to his glory, you're going to have to learn how to be able to listen well, to know and to follow his commands. Secondly, to abide in him, I must be devoted to prayer. Now, is anybody in here uh, willing to be honest enough uh, along with me to go, hey, at some point in my journey and my seeking what it means to have a relationship with God and all that stuff, prayer, 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 that, man, it seems mysterious, (laughs) and I got a lot of questions about it. One of the common questions that not only I, but I find a lot of people have about prayer is, well, if God is all-knowing and he already knows what I'm going to say anyway, why bother wasting time to pray? Has anybody else ever wondered that before? Yeah. Um, and obviously, I think that there are a couple key things that tie into that, but something that I have found all right, guys, that I think is a good food for for thought for all of us, is maybe sometimes we get off on the wrong foot. We assume that God is somehow the one that is on this ego trip, and he needs our prayers somehow. But in fact, it's quite the opposite. God doesn't need our prayers. Now, don't get me wrong. God is a loving father that longs to hear from his children. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from me. But he doesn't need to. So guess who those are for? Prayer is for us, y'all. How's it for us? Why is it important? Well, as I look throughout Scripture, and I think even through this passage, if you look close enough, you'll notice that God uses prayer to change us. If you've ever spent some time around somebody for a period of time, and then you go back home. You might get this question from your parents or your siblings or somebody, and they're like, boy, when would you start talking like that? Or where'd you get that phrase from? I've, I've never heard you say that up until now. And so literally by spending time with people, right, we find ourselves changing. We maybe begin to think different, to speak different, even become different. And the same is the case when it comes to our relationship with God. It changes us, literally, to become more like him, the ultimate fruit there. I wanted to uh, take some time to do something. I think this will help cement this this in for us. But um, let me ask for a couple of volunteers. I need three volunteers. All right, Morgan, come on up. Come on up, hmm Young lady over there, yes. Come on. <laughs> so y'all are probably wondering, okay, well, what's this about? What I'm gonna have these three people do for me in a second is y'all are going to help me sell a product. You ready? All right, but first, before we do that, I'm going to have Mike over there, those guys at the table, if they can play uh, the video that I had had them prepare for us. All right? I want you guys to watch closely, listen, and then we're going to dive in, Okay. All right, hang tight with us a little bit.
1: Anyone can fushigi. From the minute they pick up, the magic gravity ball. And with a little practice, you can conquer fushigi. You're about to be mesmerized. It's here. It's wild. It's sweeping the nation. It's FUSHIGI! FUSHIGI, I don't know what it is, but it's the coolest thing ever, and I can do it. Hi, I'm Tim Gowie, and this is FUSHIGI. We're going to show you how to unlock the secrets of FUSHIGI, the magic gravity ball. No strings, no tricks. Magic? Maybe. An illusion? You decide. You can make Fushigi defy gravity and appear to float in midair with maneuvers like the prayer cross, the enigma, levitation, and so many more. It floats, it levitates, it will confuse the senses with its mind-blowing movements. Young or old, big or small, anyone can Fushigi from the minute they pick up the magic gravity ball. And with a little practice, you can conquer Fushigi. (laughs) This is so amusing. I think it's fabulous. I get it now. Everyone loves Fushigi. And you don't have to be a magician. It's relaxing, even therapeutic. Best of all, it's just amazing.
0: It floats.
1: It's awesome. Fushigi. (laughs) From basic maneuvers to the advanced, even control more than one Fushigi at a time. You can do this. Mystify, amaze, and confuse your friends in just minutes. Now it's your turn to master Fushigi. Fushigi. It's sick. It's so much fun. I love it. It's amazing. I love it. Me too. My grandson, when he's sixteen, he would love one of those. I want to buy it now. Fushigi. Call now to order Fushigi, the magic gravity ball, for only nineteen ninety-nine. And when you order, we'll send you a free DVD that will teach you everything you need to know to unlock the secrets of Fushigi. Just pay processing. Call now.
0: All right. I am definitely looking forward to seeing how this plays out. So like you saw in the video, (laughs) y'all ready to see what they got? All right. So one at a time, who wants to go first? (laughs) You going to go first? All right. All right, Morgan. So I want you to take one of the tricks you saw there, and and let's let's see it, man. (laughs) And you want to try one more time? <laughs> all right, Kayla. Let's see what you got. Oh, all right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> there. there you go. Well, Oh, not bad. All right, let's see it. <laughs> let's go. Cheer on, cheer on. All right, all right, all right. Hey, let's go ahead and give them a hand. Y'all can go ahead and go back to your seat. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, I'd love to see them. Uh, actually give a couple more tips with that. Some of them kind of started looking like they were catching on a little bit, right? <laughs> Maybe not. Um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I even tried to spend a little bit of time with this thing as well, leading up to this. And combined with hearing this up on the stage, I feel like for a couple of days, I'm just going to be hearing in my sleep that doop, doop, doop. <laughs> but um, all right. So anyway, to bring this all to a point, right, why did I have them come up here with this second point here? Well, if you remember the first one, right, it was about getting into Christ's words and knowing and following them, right? That's God talking to us. And then here in prayer, we're talking back to him. So we have a word about those two things happening called quiet times, right? Very much like with this Fushigi ball, their pitch that they have in the commercial is, hey, buy one right away. Anybody can do it, right? Instantaneously, popping out the box is going to float. You're going to do all kinds of cool tricks, just like the pros. And yet, what do we just see here? Is it that easy? Not maybe as easy as it looks. And in the same way, if you think that somehow you or I are just going to get out there without spending time with Jesus, and somehow we're going to go out and save the world Uh uh-uh. Doesn't happen like that, guys. Right? And so it takes spending time is the main point that I, and I think all of us, need to draw from this, is if we're going to get anywhere, and as as Jesus says there, apart from him, we can do nothing. So if we're going to get anywhere of value, it takes spending time. Get in prayer. Get in word. Get in the word. By the way, on that note, before I move on, I want to ask you guys a question. When's the last time you memorized scripture? Let that sink in for a second. All right. Now, while that's happening, some of you don't want to let that settle in. Right. You want to quickly fire back. Pfft. No, 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 no. Demetri, you don't understand. Right. I can't memorize scripture. That might be for some, some people. It ain't for me, though. All right. I want y'all to see my face. Give me a break on that, all right? And I think a lot of your leaders, if you told them the same thing, they'd tell you that. Give me a break. Get out of here with that, all right? Know why? All the time, I walk around and I hear people spouting off about their favorite sports stars. Stat after stat after stat after stat. You can tell me how many points per game, assists per game, rebounds per game they've got. Or maybe take your favorite artist Go down the list of the albums, right? You can tell me, starting from the first song to the last, all the lyrics, oh, wait, and don't let somebody try to start singing it and get one wrong w- word. That, that's just blasphemous, right? <laughs> so we know those things to the T. But then if somebody were to ask us to share Christ's words, we don't know where they're found, what, what they mean. We know nothing about them. So I wonder, where does that show our priorities lie? Are we delighting more in the things of this world and what the world has to say as opposed to the one that we claim to follow promises and has to say and calls us to? So first, in order to abide, I need to know and to follow Christ's words Secondly, I need to be devoted to prayer. And then third, let me put this thing down real quick. (laughs) Okay, real quick, actually, before I move on to that third point, I wanted to give you guys an example of where we see this play out in Scripture as well, of this idea of spending time with Jesus, okay? If you look at Acts chapter 7, verses 59 through 60, this is at the stoning of Stephen, all right? So people are putting him to death, and it says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had finished saying this, he fell asleep. Those words sound familiar that Stephen prayed there, guys? Sound kind of like somebody else when they were being put to death? on a cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Clearly, Stephen had spent some time with Jesus to learn to talk and to pray like that. How about this one? Um, well, not up there. <laughs> but the other one that I, I had that I think stands out to me is if you look at Acts chapter 4, verse 13... This talks about Peter and John after they had spent some time with Jesus. And they're in front of the Sanhedrin. And these people are trying to threaten them, and they're trying to quiet them down. But it says, when these people saw the boldness and the courage of Peter and John, and that they were ordinary, uneducated men, they took note of this. They were astonished because they knew that these men had been with Jesus. So what about us, guys? It makes me think of the the question with myself, with you. When people look at you and your life, are they able to draw the same conclusion? What do they take note of? Is it that you claim to have spent time with Jesus, and yet his words aren't coming out of your mouth, but Some other words, some four-letter words and whatnot are coming out. Or is it going to be like Peter and John here, where people are going to know? That's Jesus' man. That's his girl right there. I know they spent time with him. The third one. How do I abide in the true vine? To abide in him, I must make a habit of confessing my sins. There's that big S word there. We don't like to talk about a whole lot, right? Sin. But here's the thing, guys. If you think about any relationship, all right, whether you talk about a friendship, a romantic relationship, a parent child relationship, our relationship with God, there are things that make or break every relationship, right? And as far as breaking a relationship, God makes it clear to us all throughout his scripture that the thing that breaks and literally destroys our relationship with him is sin. Sin that's just left to run rampant in our lives, sin that we kick under, we kick under the rug and hide somehow as though he won't notice. And maybe others won't notice. And yet all the while, it's like poison infecting us from the inside out. And then the places we go and the people we spend time around, infecting them too. And so much like Carrie was talking about last night, so we're meant to bear good fruit but we find ourselves with unaddressed sin in our lives and in our relationship with God, playing around with it, we find ourselves bearing bad fruit, rotten fruit. Everybody's familiar with Velcro, right? I don't know who who invented it, but whoever invented Velcro, um, man. (laughs) It's pretty cool, it's amazing to me. It's a simple concept and yet, if you think about Velcro and how it works, right? As long as both of those pieces or straps of Velcro are clean, they're able to snap together real cleanly and they hold here real tightly, almost as one. But has anybody ever had an article of clothing that has had Velcro straps on it and it's not clean? It's got all gunked up stuff in it, lint and hair and whatever, else can find its way into it. Just gunk it up in there, dirty. And then you try to slap the Velcro on there. How's it work? Doesn't work. And so in the same way, guys, that that gunk gets in between the union between those two Velcro straps, our sin gets in the way of the union that Jesus wants us to have with him. And so literally, how are we going to ever abide the way that Jesus desires if we're not taking sin seriously the way that he does? We need to take our sin seriously. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this verse, but this is David, all right, a psalm that he spoke. And this is after he had to be confronted about his sin with Bathsheba. right? Again, he's playing around with it. He doesn't take it seriously. Hey, no big deal. And yet he had a godly friend, a messenger of the Lord that God used to get in his face, like we all need people to get in our face sometimes. And it brought him low to the point where God wanted him all along so that he could bring about cleansing and healing and begin to do more of the work that he wanted to do in him. And so I hope, guys, when you look at this and you spend some more time thinking about this concept of abiding and how confessing sin is a crucial part of it, I pray that we will be able to pray this prayer here that David prayed in our own lives about our own mess. Look what it says here. So this is verses 2 through 4 and 10 of Psalm 51. David says, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin... Is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Create in me a clean, uh, create in me, excuse me, a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And so we want to get to the restoration part, the renewal, the revival, the growth. And yet God says, no, 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 no. Back up. We got some digging deep, some dragging some stuff out into the light to do first. And so I want to ask you guys, all right, before we move on with this, is in terms of your own life and your ministries, what is it that you have that maybe you need to confess? that you need to bring out into the light to allow God to do what he needs to do with it, to remove it out of the way so that true abiding can happen. And remember, without abiding, there is no fruit bearing. Without abiding, there's no fruit bearing. So now we talked about how how do I abide? Now I want to look at, okay, if I'm doing those things, how will I know that it's actually working? Am I actually abiding in the true vine? So here are at least four evidences of that, guys, among many more that'll help you to be able to know, and you won't have to question, am I being the type of disciple that God wants me to be? Am I being that branch that is connected, remaining in the true vine, so that the fruit... The good fruit that he wants from me is the type of fruit that I'm bearing. Firstly, when I abide, well, of course, I bear fruit, right? We've been talking about that all day, so that's kind of like a a dull thing, we would say. But hold on a second. If we were to look at ourselves and our ministries, is that what we're doing? Is that what we would be able to see? Are we seeing a lot of fruitless branches? Look here in John 15, verses four through five. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will do what? You will bear much, much fruit. It's noticeable, right? Is it noticeable with you? Secondly, when I abide, I will expect and embrace the Father's pruning. (laughs) There it goes. When I abide, I will expect and embrace the Father's pruning. All right, so I don't know if you guys can make out what this is here. It looks a little chaotic, all right, but just to help you understand this is basically a tree covered up by a bunch of leafiness, (laughs) all right? These are a bunch of great wild grapevines that have grown excessively, and they've just wrapped themselves on top of each other, on top of the tree, and now you, it doesn't look much like a tree. You wouldn't even maybe have known that there was a tree under there had I not told you, all right? But this is what Jesus is talking about here, all right about the importance of the father or the vine dresser pruning. See, because this is what happens when a vine is neglected, there is no pruning that's done. This is a, you look back at a couple other translations of this verse, where it talks about the father pruning? It actually uses a different word. All right? That is the technical name for this process of when a vine dresser steps in, it sees a neglected or wild plant, and it says, "Hey, this needs some work." Right, I need to do some snipping away so that this is going to actually be more successful. It can be more fruitful. Here, here's how that works. Okay? They literally do what is called harming the plant and snipping away. They take away all the leafiness and all the extra stuff that really, if it's left like this, the sunlight that is necessary to be able to get in to allow that tree and that fruit to grow, it can't get to where it needs to get to because all of its attention is going to all this extra stuff, right? And so the same thing happens in ministry and in our lives. We have things that we look at and we consider to be good, and yet God says, no, I need to snip that away, because until I do, you can't bear more fruit like I desire for you to. I think I would say where this hits home, guys, uh, I've seen in my life and in my my journey as a disciple, and I think a lot of you guys are going to be able to relate to this, is we often talk about our personality. And because of my personality, I can't do this. I can't do that. Excuse, 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 right? I'm too this or I'm too that. I'm too introverted to do what God calls me to do. And it's an interesting thing, you know, guys, I told you about looking where I come from my first family vacation as a college student that really didn't know really anything up from down when it came to the likes of God. And now to fast forward, and obviously he's still doing uh, a a major work on me, all right? But to take somebody that would have identified, as many do, as an introvert, and, and to look up at people like T.C. And, and, and Carrie and Robert and, and Mackie and, man, some of these amazing men of the Lord and watching how they spoke with great authority. And I go, man, I'm having a great time. I love being here. I could see maybe some things that's going on that maybe God will get me there. This, though, God, you, you want me to get up on stage? And do a keynote? And he says, yeah. Yes, my son. I got some pruning that I have done with you and that I still need to do with you. And so because and when we not only expect that God is going to do that, that with us if we choose to abide, but we embrace it when it comes, we may find ourselves looking different and doing some things that we maybe never had in mind, but God did according to his plan and for his glory. Number three, when I abide, when I abide, I will experience an inner joy. We sing a song um, that has become one of my favorites um, since I've moved up here to Missouri And um, a lot of you probably would resonate with that as well and say, yeah, that's one of my favorite songs as well. But uh, it's the one Ashley led last night, right, where it talks about, God, you give me joy deep down in my soul, right, and about beauty in my brokenness. And yet, what I find, and I think a lot lot of your leaders and your parents and people around you in your life that God has put there, guys, I think they would tell you, you would say, yeah, hey, like Carrie said last night, I raised my hand. I surrendered to Christ in baptism, and I committed to all these things we're talking about. But where's your joy? Is what I would ask a lot of you. Because a lot of times when we look around, and for instance, like when we're singing songs and we're worshiping God, it's not there. It's not there. Have you really spent time with Jesus? Do you really recognize what he's done for you? Because if you would, right, abiding in the true vine— and staying connected to him, one of the fruits of that would be that it, a natural joy would overflow out of you and out of me. Some people, you're not even clapping. No words are coming in your mouth. Your mouth is not even opening at all, right? I don't sing. But again, there's this true joy that Jesus says, that he gives us, that's lasting, that's complete, that's overflowing it can't help but come out because I'm allowing him to produce that in me and allow it to come out flowing throughout my environment flowing throughout my life here's another thing that I know this though that's not the only way that joy this inner joy would show up in our lives guys And uh, I want to read you a couple passages that I think will flesh out another one. So here we see in the passage, our theme passage, John 15, 2, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, promise from him, and that your joy may be complete. So again, it's pretty clear there. And evidence that I'm abiding is, as Jesus says here to each of us, you will, if you're connected and you're remaining, you will have a joy that can't be contained, and others can't help but notice all right, so uh guess this sort of stuff happens right i uh don't know somehow the what happened to some of my uh my passages, but I'll go ahead and tell you guys about it the The other one that came to mind for me is. The Philippians 2 passage, where it tells us to do everything without grumbling or arguing. And it talks about us living in a world that's darkened and that's corrupt. Because really, that's what the majority of people do in our world, in, you know, in our schools, at our workplaces. Let the littlest thing go wrong, right? Things get tough or they don't get their way. Guess what people are doing? I don't like this. I don't like that. But not just out there. I find that too often that ends up being the same case within Christ's family. And he says it should not be that way. We should stand out. Aren't we the people that are called to be joyful? Our lips, instead of complaining and grumbling and arguing, should be lips that produce fruit of thanksgiving how about you guys and myself? So far, we're, we're only a little bit, a day or two, into this retreat. And I'm sure already each of you guys, like myself, have found certain things have maybe not gone according to maybe what you had in mind. Or maybe you had a leader or a friend or somebody come up to you and they told you something that you maybe particularly didn't like. How'd you respond? Was it with noticeable joy? overflowing and thanksgiving or grumbling and complaining about how much you don't like what's going on. Guys, if we're going to be different in the world around us and we're going to be able to help produce other disciples, we're going to be able to see fruit to the Father's glory be born, we have to be people that have joy, that comes from the Lord that goes through us and is able to produce out into the world around us. So there are a lot of examples um, as I look throughout my life. I look throughout the church plants, I look through um, just all around, not just in my life but in you guys' lives, I think you could do the same thing. But if you take a look at some of your leaders and you got to know their stories You got to know some of the people that were selected to go out on some of these church plants. Really, really get to know them and what they've been through or what they're going through. It probably would turn your head upside down. And you go, what? Really? You've been through that? Or you're dealing with that even right now? And I want to tell you, if uh, maybe you're a first-timer, you may not know this guy. But uh, if not, you need to get to know him, (laughs) among many other people here. And um, he's a part of the the team that was selected to go out on the Columbia church plant, one of the newer ones, all right? We've been out there for a little bit, um, over a year now. Um, Praise God. (laughs) But um, he's also also one of my good friends, one of my best friends. And uh, it's just been a joy. I've been encouraged, but I've also been deeply challenged. Um, by this guy. Is, uh, Jacob Nolan, all right? Many of you also know him, and you know his story, but I wanted to take some time to share with you guys something that I had him write up um, and ask if I could share it with you all, because like I said, it's blessed my life, and I hope that it'll bless yours as well, and it'll help you to understand that there are people out there that are going through some things. The littlest thing happens to us, and all of a sudden, our joy is gone, and yet Jesus says, no, that's not the way it's meant to be. And hopefully we can be like, like Jacob. We can be like some other people that are around us that are allowing themselves to abide in Christ. They're allowing that joy to emanate through them. And it can emanate through us as well. So this is what Jacob uh, wrote. He said, so this last August, I received news that I had another brain tumor. We think, we think starting in April, I will have to get another surgery, do six weeks of radiation, and a year of chemo pills. I still find joy in life, because whatever this leads to, I know God's will, well, uh, I know God will always be there. The good, the bad, and the soon to be ugly. And he still has amazing plans for me out in Colombia. I have amazing people on the plant that I label as family members. I'm so close with, and I know they would do anything for me. I feel God's love every second of every day. So, like I said, um, guys, I you know I don't know where that hits you, but my hope is that it, it gives you an example, a real life example here, along with the ones that we find all throughout God's word and Scripture, where He shows us real committed disciples that regardless of what they're going through and no matter how dark maybe their days may feel how difficult things may get they stay in there they're remaining they're fighting to stay connected and they're about the father's mission uh the father's business and about his mission but what about you will the same be true for you Or will it just take one little bad day and you're out the door, you're giving up, you're walking out? The last one of the evidences that I'm abiding in the true vine is when I abide, I will love deeply Christ and his followers I want to read you guys um, two, two passages that are among a few that show up in Scripture um, with a phrase that says something about love covering a multitude of sins. All right, so let's look at a couple of those together. This is one of them. It's in Proverbs 10, verse 12, and it reads, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. 1 Peter 4, eight. above all, love each other deeply because love covers, covers over a multitude of sins. Now, I'm sure quickly where a lot of our minds maybe in here would have wanted to go as we read those two passages is, oh, I get what that's saying. It's loving to when I see my brother or my sister or my friend, my homie doing something they have nothing, no business doing. Or I see them clicking it up, counter to what God calls us to do. I see them sexing it up or doing all kinds of other type of foolishness. That ruins our ministries. It gets in the way of God's mission, being able to push forward in his kingdom advancing. We know good and well that these things are going on in our lives and in their lives. And yet, guess what we do? Oh, I got you. I'll cover for you. I, I didn't know that was going on. Give me a break. Yes, you did. And yet somehow, I'm sure many of you in this room, if you found yourself there, like me, you've done it in the name, quote unquote, of love. It was a loving thing to do. And Christ says, no, <laughs> it's something, but it ain't love. Not the real thing. So what does love look like? All right, let's talk about that a little bit more as we close. And I think what will help us out to understand what these two passages are saying goes along with what we see here in James chapter 5, verse 20. Look what this says. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. See it there again at the end? But look at the pieces before that. It talks about turning a sinner from the error of their way. So that can't mean then that the loving thing to do is to turn a blind eye or to sugarcoat things and then turn right around in the same breath and go, yeah, I got you, I love you. We need to check ourselves in our relationships. And the ones we're claiming we really love. We need to repent. And we need to make sure that as we're abiding in Christ, looking at the way that we have been loved and allowing him to pass that through us, guys, and enable us to love others as he has loved us and leaders and other people have loved us, important to us. We get to share that with other people. Nothing less and it's when we do that, that I believe, again, we'll see not only that we will truly abide, but as we abide, we will bear that good fruit that God intended always for us to. And we'll be able to help others to become a part of doing the same. I hope you guys have been uh, blessed and challenged, um, as I have, going through this passage, um, I want to, as I end, give you guys, guys a question to kind of take all of it. I know it's been a lot, but maybe a question to be able to hone in and give you something to latch onto to process it, okay? So as you uh, end, you go to some of your other class, breakout classes and throughout the, the day and tonight when you're in your nightly discussions, I want you to write this question down. What are your biggest obstacles that get in the way of you spending time with the Father? And I don't know. Maybe it's uh, sports. Maybe it's school (laughs) and academics. Maybe it's uh, something I think that all of us in here, no matter what age you are, and what phase of life you find yourself in, somehow this one seems to hit home for everybody. Busyness. We're just busy. But I read a quote, and it's failing me right now who uh, the author of this quote was, but it stuck with me, and the person said, if you look at your life and you're too busy to have time for God, you're busier than he wants you to be. So again, what are the biggest obstacles that get in the way of you spending time with the Father and abiding and thus bearing fruit? I love you guys, and uh, I pray that the, not only this morning, but I pray that the rest of this retreat um, will be impactful for you and that you will find yourselves growing closer to God, growing closer to each other, and watching him do amazing things continually through you and through your ministries. Let's pray. Uh, father, thank you so much for, uh, for being the good, good father that you are. And God, you're not just a good father. You're a good master. <laughs> and there is no true life apart from you. Find, father, we find our identity, and we find everything we need to be able to accomplish the purpose that you've given us on this earth when we run to you. And, Father, that we find our home there residing, right by your side. Help us all in that, um, God. I know that that is continually um, with the, the tugs and the struggles that come, um, both internally and in this world that's fallen that we live in, um, and with an enemy that just won't let up. It can get difficult, God. And yet I know that you promise us that you're always there with us, And that you, who's began a good work in each of us, will be faithful to carry it on to completion. If we'll allow you to be God and we'll allow you to do your work in us. Thank you for everybody here. Um, God, thank you for your word. I pray that it will prick each of our hearts and that it will bring forth fruit that will be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.